Welcome to the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name is Neil Grogan. I'm here with Matt Statler. And I'm Robert Kale. And we are excited today to talk about a very interesting topic, which I think is going to be really helpful as we kind of continue this progression of uh, understanding how Scripture and how the Gospel um, is sufficient for handling all matters of life. And so and helps us to become more like Christ if you're a believer. Um, so today we're going to be talking about kind of the nature of man, right? Um, Matt, you want to tease out what, how does the world understand, um, our nature, man or mankind, humanity's nature at a popular, at a popular level. I think we see, um, a lot of the follow your heart. Your heart is good. Be true to yourself. That kind of human beings are good. They've just been corrupted by their society, um, nature and nurture kind of concept. And then on a more psychological level, you have different perspectives of that, um, some some Machiavellian type thinking. But I think ultimately most of us live in the popular level, sure. whether it be movies or TV shows. Um, I can't think off the top of my head a show that doesn't portray – our human nature as being ultimately good at its core. Mm. Yeah. I think good example of this is, uh, the Disney princess movies, right? Where it says, um, you know, and they live happily ever after and they followed their heart. And, you know, that's why they get, you know, the princess marries the prince within like three seconds of knowing them. Right. Cause it makes them feel good. So, um, which I think fundamentally our culture is, in pursuit of pleasure, like whatever gratifies self. Um, Robert, you have any more to add on that? Um, yeah, I just think that, you know, we have a, a misunderstanding of what kind of what Matt talked about in the beginning is, you know, he said, you know, trust your heart, follow your heart. Um, and then, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a good person, you know, because I do good things and my heart in my heart, I want to do good things. So, um, I think that the, another misconception that we are easily led astray uh, by is I'm a good person. And because my heart is good, then I'm good. And therefore overall I'm good. And so it, it, it takes us down, um, uh, like a path that just, it, it, it doesn't allow us to see what we truly need. Mm. Ooh, that reminds me, I was talking to, a. Um, a person recently and we were talking about hypocrisy and they were talking about how Christians are hypocrites and all this stuff. I said, well, you know, there's always room for one more, right? Like you j- join us. And um, they were trying to make the point essentially that Christians are hypocrites and, and that she wasn't. And eventually I got to the point and I pointed out her hypocrisy and she said, well, well, I'm a good hypocrite. Right. And it's that same mentality of like, oh, I'm a good witch or I'm a good hypocrite. Um, And those are bad ones over there. (laughs) I'm a good witch. Matt, do you say that when you look up in the mirror in the morning and you're, you know, you're trimming your beard and I'm a good warlock? Yeah, I'm the good warlock. That's kind of how why Tom Brady keeps winning the Super Bowl. His wife's a good witch, apparently. Oh, this uh, podcast took a quick turn. <laughs> so that's not what we're promoting today. What we're <laughs> what we're uh, what we want to point out is that this understanding of of man and our heart and our condition is 
staunchly in contrast to what the Bible actually teaches, right? So, you know, we want to um, kind of lay out for everybody what the Bible says about man. And so I think to do that, we can start with, uh, you know, Romans 3.23. That's the lowest hanging fruit probably everybody's familiar with. That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How do we know that to be true from the meta narrative of scripture, Matt? Yeah, I mean, you goes all the way back to, to Genesis chapter one, right? Um, God creates all things, all things good. And then we get a quick right turn right there at the beginning, starting in chapter three with the fall. And one of the key signals that things have gone wrong is when Eve looks at the forbidden fruit and and starts becoming an arbitrator of what is good and what is right. And she sees that the fruit is good, right? And then we have this real moral language beginning where we are trying to find what's good apart from a holy and perfect God. And we're trying to make up our own mind. And then Robert really pointed something out um, right before the flood. And that was a very key point where we see the real character of humanity. Robert, did you want to flesh that out? Uh, yeah. So it, in Genesis six, um, verses five and six, it says the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. And so we just see there that that's the first place in the Bible where it really talks about the the wickedness of our heart and that every thought was evil continually, every thought, not some of them. And so that's why I was trying to flush out that, you know, sometimes we can think that we are good people doing good things um, and on a good path. But in actuality, um, even the, the, the thoughts and the desires uh, of our hearts are not good. They're wicked because they aren't centered on God and they aren't centered on the, the, the right reasons um, for the right intentions, or if that makes sense. Yeah, so we were created good and then we are marred by sin and sin has corrupted us. Um, an analogy that I really love using is one of a sponge. You take a sponge and you put it in some vinegar and it soaks up the vinegar. And even if you wash that sponge out really well, everything it touches will still smell like vinegar. You will constantly have vinegar smell. And it's kind of like sin. No matter how hard we try to wash out the vinegar smell out of our sponge, we're, we're still doing wicked deeds. We're still doing it with the taint of sin somewhere within it. And that's, um, that's, that's to me kind of the ultimate. So we're not as wicked as we could possibly be, right? I think God restrains a lot of that evil. Um, I think the, the flood narrative shows uh, how God does it. And then actually post-flood, he says that their hearts are still wicked. So just by washing the world of evil beings, evil humans, we still have Noah and the line from Noah is still uh, wicked. But then God puts in place some some barriers to kind of prevent us from being as wicked as we possibly could be. Yeah. Yeah. David, you know, in Psalm 51, after being made conscious of his sin of, you know, murdering Uriah and 
committing adultery with Bathsheba. He says, behold, in verse five of Psalm 51, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. And so that, you know, what we're saying is this is a, uh, a nature statement and kind of the technical term we would use or the doctrinal term we would use to communicate these things is in the term total depravity. So uh, we believe that mankind is totally depraved in its nature. It's totally marred. That image of God within us is not inherently good. It's inherently wicked. And uh, one of the kind of pictures that I like to play around with, I think it's real easy to explain to kids this way, is that of feeding a lion, right? So if you had a lion in a cage and you got a bowl of meat and a bowl of oatmeal and you presented these two bowls to this lion, which one would he choose? Well, we would say, of course, the meat, right? Because it is not in the lion's nature to eat oatmeal. It will choose to eat meat every single time. And only if the lion's nature is changed, will it ever eat the oatmeal, right? So uh, that picture kind of kind of shows what our free, because you hear a lot, like, what about our free will, you know, to choose to do good? And we would say, well, in our nature, even in our, uh, you know, seemingly good choices, they're not righteous, unless our nature is changed or our heart is changed. So apart from a change in that nature of the heart, well, what do we learn about the heart? Well, in Jeremiah 79, it says that the heart is deceitful above all else, right? It's, it's like desperately wicked. And so, you know, the Bible says quite a lot about the heart. Um, guys, what are some texts that you can think of that the Bible kind of gives a good picture of where our hearts are apart from God intervening and, and changing it. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think <clears throat> that uh, if we were to go to the new Testament, we were to flip over to Mark seven, uh, start verse 21. And we see that, you know, Jesus says from within out of the heart of man come evil thought, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, 22, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. And I think that that paints a pretty good picture. Jesus was to his disciples that this is what the heart looks like when there is no Christ, Holy Spirit, Scripture, anything that what we would say as believers as good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Matt? Yeah, no, I, I think I think we hit a lot of the key texts, um, just what you guys are talking about. And, and I think part of when we talk about the heart as the control center of everything else, our thinking, our cognitive, um, our affections, our emotions, and then our volition, our, our choosing, desiring, all, all three of those, whenever the, the Bible speaks of the heart, um, it has those three things in mind, um, typically one or all three together. And so I, I really like the picture of being born again. Um, and also we talk about Ezekiel, right? About a, a heart of stone turned to a heart of flesh. I mean, that's a transformation. Um, we think about a full on 
replacement, open heart surgery type deal, right? Um, And and that's what we need. Uh, An image that I really like to use is if we were created, all human beings are created in the image of God. And our job is to image God, to be a mirror and reflect God's glory um, to this world and back to him. However, it's like someone took a knife and scraped up the front of that mirror and just made it so distorted so that whenever you look in that mirror, everything is is distorted. You just can't see it. It doesn't reflect properly. And what happens in our new birth is that God comes along and he starts to buff out that mirror so that we're able to reflect God more clearly. Um, and the more buffed out we are, the more we reflect the image. And that's that process of being made new, that sanctification, that um, growth. And we're being made new into something, right? Right. So the Bible doesn't leave us to wonder, okay, what does a good heart look like? He gives us an example. And ultimately that example is Christ. Um, I don't know if that's where we're going right now, but the heart renewal process is for us to be like the perfect God, man, Jesus. And so that's kind of for me, always an area that I want to aim for, right? We don't we don't want to be our own deciders of what's good and what's evil. We have the the perfect example of what is good. And he is the image of the invisible God. And so we can look to that image and then start to try to reflect that in our lives. So the standard comes from the living word and you know we see the living word expressed within the written word. Right. Um, That's right. I think, I think a good picture, you know, just to give some scripture to what you just described, Matt, uh, I love Absolutely. Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen, And this is, this is where, you know, only when God transforms the heart, this is where we see a change. Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen says as water reflects the face. So one's life reflects the heart. And so if your heart is a heart of stone, it is within your nature of depravity, then what is reflected out of the heart is unrighteousness. But when your heart has been changed by God, a new reflection occurs, a a reflection of Christ-likeness, right? Because there's a new heart within you. And so, man, this, this has implications that are quite vast for us. And the reason, kind of one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about this topic today uh, specifically is as we begin to engage other things like depression or anxiety or, you know, ethics in the workplace, you name it, right? We have to first understand our heart in two places, apart from Christ, first and foremost, and then a heart with Christ that is desiring still this, this flesh to serve itself and, and, and to not honor God in all things. And so that's where we begin to shape and adjust and, and all of that stuff. So, um, so we, we know that first and foremost with a heart of stone, um, we are dependent upon ourselves, right? And what God calls us to do is to be dependent on himself. And so uh, the process of, of heart change that occurs within the life of a believer is an adjustment from trusting in man, which is cursed, right? 
to trusting in God, which is blessed. Robert, you want to flush out Jeremiah 17, five through eight a little bit, because right on the backside of that, we, we hear, we see the heart is deceitful above all else. Right. But what comes before that? Yeah. So another thing too, that I kind of wanted to hit on just real quick is that, you know, Matt brought up a good point when he talks about the rebirth of being born again. And so when you think about depravity, right. And total depravity, which we're talking about, I think another good way to say it is our total inability to do anything to please God, right, Uh, with from within ourselves. And so if we were to connect getting a new heart, you know, from stone to flesh, when that heart of flesh is put in us, and then we're able to move towards God to do anything to please him. And then there go, we start to see oh man, I've been trusting in the wrong things and the wrong people, you know, to include myself. And so um, Jeremiah 17, 5, it talks about, you know, 17, 5 through 8, it talks about being somebody who trusts in man, right? And it paints a picture of being a tree that is planted in the desert and there's no water, there's no source of sustenance, there's no anything and you can't, you can't be at peace. There's no you don't know what's going to happen. You're kind of out there being blown around like a tumbleweed. And then it goes on to say that blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes for its leaves remain green. It's and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. So whereas when you're trusting in yourself, you're trusting your heart, you're following what other people say outside of being in Christ and being in the word, you see yourself being blown around like a tumbleweed. But when you're planted in the gospel, in the word, in church with people who are pointing you to Christ, you have roots that go into that river, right? And that river is a picture of what? That water. Um, and maybe Matt can flash, flesh that out a little bit better than I could, but you know, having your roots going into that living water, right? That living water is Christ. And we know that, that he is the substance, substance, sorry, that we all need to, um, not that that gives us the ability not to worry when the drought comes because John 16, 33 is very clear. We are going to have problems in this earth, but we can take peace and comfort because Christ has overcome the earth. And we have to understand that as Christians, that when the heat comes, what will we do? Who or what will we turn to? Mm. Yeah. You know, so I think, think, yeah, go ahead. Go man. ahead, Neil. Okay. No, you first. We're just being, we're being so kind. Um, I want to be one, one of the, <laughs> what I want to point out to those that are listening is what we are doing is kind of what a mechanic will do when they evaluate something, what is wrong? How do we fix it? Um, you know, if you've ever had a plumber, you know, they have a process and uh, us military guys, we have certain, um, problem solving instructions that we're supposed to memorize and learn and follow by identifying the problem and all that. And that's what we're doing here is we're, we're seeing what went wrong. And this is where, uh, secular answers are insufficient to answer the problems that we're experiencing. And what Robert's pointing out in this is that heat comes to both of these plants. One plant has been rooted and grounded in self and secular ideology and trusting in man, whereas the other tree is rooted in the Lord. 
So if you want to change the fruit and not have to worry when the heat comes, you have to be grounded in the right thing. I mean, that's Jesus's parable about building on the sand. Um, I liked one Puritan. He said, um, getting to heaven by works is like climbing to the moon on a rope of sand, right? It's just, it's just insane. It's silliness. Um, and so we see that the heart is more deceitful than anything else in verse nine and incurable who can understand it. And then we have the answer in verse 10 and I'll let Neil hit the answer because it's such a powerful moment because it's like you look around and nothing but deserts, right? The heart has cancer. How do we fix it? There is no chemo for this cancer of the heart. And then we have the answer. Go ahead, Neil. Yeah. Uh, God says, I, the Lord search the heart and test the mind, the mind and give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So who can know the heart? That's the question. And it starts with I, the Lord, like God knows the heart in first Samuel 16. Uh, is it verse seven? I think where God says, you know, I don't look at the outside of a man. I judge the heart. This is how I do things. And so, um, that's the picture we want to go to. And, and, I think it's also important to your point, Matt, to understand, well, what does secular ideology, what does this um, outside of dependency on God, what is the fruit? What do we do as we try to understand our reality? I The book Jared Wilson wrote called The Gospel According to Satan, Eight Lies About God That Sound Like the Truth is, man, I'd encourage any of you guys to read it, but he points out um, on page 64 that the attempt to redefine reality to suit ourselves is how we end up with things like our, the sexual chaos we're in today. Um, and it shows also how we ended up with the wholesale slaughter of upwards of 350,000 little girls each year by abortion in the name of women's rights. And it's a, it's a great picture of, well, what is, what does trusting in yourself? What do you try to do? You try to redefine your reality. You try to live in a place that isn't true. And the only way that we can assess what is really wrong is by understanding our reality before us. And which is what Matt was really flushing out on like, man, we're, what, what is the nature of our heart? Who are we apart from God? And who are we when we're in Christ with a changed heart? And so how do we understand, like, if you're if you're a follower of Christ, right? Um, why would we turn to scripture versus turning towards secular ideology? You know, for instance, with the mental health epidemic, it would seem uh, based on statistics. Why would we tell people not to turn to the DSM-5? a diagnostic manual and to turn towards scripture, Matt. Well, Neil, first let's, let's define secular just real fast. Um, The difference between secular and religious is really what we worship, what we put our trust in, where we find our hope um, and what we believe about the reality of things, the worldview. And so we as Christians have a worldview that should be informed by the Bible and going back to our topic about, you know, how do we solve the problem? So if I believe that deep down inside we are all good and my child decides to misbehave, 
then what I'm going to be thinking is, oh, it's it's a get, that's that's counter to his nature, and so therefore I need to get him some pills, or I need to get him some um, strategies to fight this evil. But if the reality, as we're seeing it, is that his heart is deceitful and wicked, then we have to give biblical solutions, which really involves confession, repentance, coming to the Lord, trusting in God. And, and I like to explain to the people there, there's two options in life. You have belief and unbelief. And when I say belief, I really mean trust. You either trust or you don't trust. So as a, as a kid, if I am trying to get my way... What I'm doing is I'm trusting in myself and I'm not trusting in God to care for me and to provide for me. Or as an adult, when I try to come up with my own solution to my life problems, and let's say I steal or embezzle money from my job because I'm running out of funds instead of trusting in God to provide for me, what am I doing? Well, I'm acting in unbelief versus belief. And so where do we turn for help when our child is in rebellion? Where do we turn for help um, when we as when we're surprised by the depravity of man? I mean, because that's ultimately what it comes down to is so often we're like, oh, I can't believe that person lied. Well, it's our nature that sh- we should be surprised when they tell the truth. So, so Robert, <laughs> Robert, where do we turn and where do we go for help in understanding this stuff? Yeah, I think that if you're a believer and you're in Christ, and, and maybe even for you guys, um, you know, that are listening, maybe that aren't believers and that are listening and just curious, um, I would say this, if, if, if being a Christian, when I, when the Lord, ex, you know, exposes my heart and shows me the sin in it, and, and I, I want to put it to death, like Romans 6 talks about. And so I want to go get with my pastor or a biblical counselor and have them point me from point me to scripture so that I could see what the Bible says about my wrong heart's desire or thought or behavior, how to renew my mind, right? In scripture, in prayer, maybe a book that I could read to supplement my scripture reading. And then what do I need to do instead of this old behavior? And and that's kind of just a nice, simple layman's terms of the Ephesians 4, uh, 22 to 24, the, the process of biblical change where the Bible tells us to put off the old self because it's deceitful, renew our mind <clears throat> in the spirit, and then put on the new self, which was created, um, you know, in the image of God. And and so in trying to do that, that's where I want to go. I want to go to scripture and I want to see what the Bible has to say about my problem. And, you know, we all have problems, big, small, and, and, and in between. Um, and I would be hard pressed, you know, for, for someone to even just respond to our podcast in a, in a by form of question, um, you know, to see that, you know, not because we're super smart guys and possess all this secret knowledge, because that's not it at all. We possess the knowledge that God has given to us here in scripture in these 66 books. And uh, I would love to be able to share that with people and say, hey, this is what God has to say about anxiety, depression, fear, parenting, marriage, government, all of these things that every human, right, is going through that at times can be super stressful. Um, And so I, I want a man of God to sit down with me and, and, and break open the word and just say, Hey, this is what 
is going on in your life. This is where you're going wrong. This is how you fix it. And this is how you walk it out in, in application. Yeah. And, and we don't want to, you know, we're not naive that there is complexity to these issues. You know, it's not as simple as here's a Bible verse and slap you on the butt, you know? Um, but what we do mean is that man, um, God himself provides us with the spiritual resources required for killing sin and walking in righteousness. And so we want to turn to scripture, which is sufficient for, you know, your despair and your sorrow and your, you know, image issues or your, you know, um, uh, problems with things like anorexia or, you know, you name it, man. Scripture is maybe the term isn't in scripture, but what we do know is that the themes and the principles of these issues are in scripture and that man scripture is sufficient for all of life and godliness, not just some of it, but all of it. And we can come to the Lord um, for correction and rebuke and uh, doctrine and training in righteousness so that our hearts will change into a heart that is desiring the things of God, believing rightly about God and, and executing behaviors that glorify God. And, uh, you know, which I think kind of to circle this all the way around and kind of land the plane on this week's podcast, you know, one of the questions posed in Psalm 119 is how can a young man keep his way pure? And uh, you can say that for anybody right? How can we keep our way pure? Well, guys, what, how do we do it? You know, Neil, um, I know we're landing the plane and I always do this. I always, you know, do it. Well, first answer the, first answer the question and then you can pull up. That's how I'm, I'm, that's how I'm answering. Good. Colossians (laughs) three, one says, so if you've been raised with Christ, (laughs) seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So how does a man keep his way pure? Well, by setting his mind on the living word on Christ. And then, you know, following that we have the put to death therefore. So th- yeah, absolutely. Neil, I yeah. hope that I hope that was the answer that you were looking for. Well, Psalm 119 verse 9 would say by guarding your heart according to the word. And and that's exactly what you fleshed out there, Matt from Colossians. So that's a great great ad- additional verse. But you failed me. I'm just going to say I know I failed you. (laughs) You know, so something that I've been again, something I've been playing with. What's your favorite sport, Neil? Oh, good question. Mm. We'll circle back. What about you, Robert? Oh, that's an easy one. eh, Wrong football. (laughs) All right. So we got basketball basketball. and football. I like I like shooting. And so if I want to learn how to shoot better, I go to Vic, I go to Vickers Tactical and I watch the dude do his maneuvers and I try to mimic that. So we as Christians want to be like Christ. Well, we go to the source, right? Where, where do we go to to be how to be the perfect human being? Well, we go and we look at Christ. Seek the things above, friends. Well, we also need to understand what a sport is, and uh, you know, I'm not sure shooting is a sport it's more of like 
it's it's a joy of grunting and masculinity and I'm femininity. pretty sure it's a sport. <laughs> Three guns sport. Needs a ball. Robert, what do you say? Let's vote. Ball ammo. Well, I think shooting is awesome and it's fun. Um, I don't. I, I, people would argue it's a sport because of its Olympic uh, presence and you know being able to medal in it and stuff. I would call it a necessity of life if you needed to eat, protect yourself, you know, things of that nature. But uh, back to your original question, I think by way of a challenge, I would just challenge people who are listening to read through psalm 119 it's broken down into little sections and just see that whole entire 176 verse passage chapter is packed rich with the need to rely on the word of god not to rely on ourselves to trust in god's word because god's word is never failing um and then we can obviously as we continue with this podcast we will um, dive deep into some of the other things, but I think that that would be a good challenge. I know I was challenged by a good friend of mine to do that earlier this year, and it was beneficial uh, for me to re-examine my desire and my need, more importantly, for scripture in my life. Yeah, and just great... so everybody knows too, I'm the adult in this room. That's why I have to bring <laughs> us back in and not let us joke around. <laughs> hey, Hey guys, I just want y'all to know, whoever's listening, that that was a rarity. <laughs> but truth, um, yeah. So, man, we just really appreciate y'all listening to the Gospel Lifeline podcast. Do us a favor and subscribe to our podcast and leave an honest five star review. Smash that like button. All those things that the uh, vloggers say, I guess. Um, but man, we'd really appreciate whatever feedback you got. Um, and, uh, on our pod beam, you, you know, you can, you can write in, uh, questions and things like that, of that nature. So, um, again, that that's our podcast on the nature of man and what the heart is and what the heck do we do about it? Thanks for listening. guys.